I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Californians are still assessing the long-term damage from the January storms. The land has visibly changed in some areas. Saturated soil has caused trees to fall or become more unstable. At beaches like Stinson in Marin, stretches of sand are gone, and iconic local landmarks are vulnerable to disappearing forever. In San Luis Obispo, a group of musicians came together to pay tribute and sing goodbye to a beloved cliff that is at risk of collapsing because of the storms. Here in Northern California, some of the most severe damage took place in Santa Cruz County. Earlier this month, President Joe Biden visited to assess the damage. Since I became president, we've spent $9 billion in disaster assistance to California for the extreme weather events they've had to go through. Nine billion in these weeks have shown the compounding effect of the disasters. One of Santa Cruz's most famous areas is facing its own existential crisis, West Cliff Drive. The popular three-mile residential street and recreation corridor was beaten down by waves, and now the city is facing a hard decision, whether or not to fix the bluffs. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Curtis Alexander joins me to discuss how climate change is forcing coastal communities like Santa Cruz to grapple with finding the right solutions. Do they accept the inevitability of losing beloved shorelines and allow them to collapse into the sea? Or do they invest the resources to maintain them in an effort to outpace climate change? Curtis Alexander, great to have you back on Fifth Emission. Thanks for having me. Let's start with a drought update, Curtis. The recent storms broke some records and devastated a lot of communities. But did it help with our state's water shortages? How are things looking right now? It's amazing how wet it's been after the driest three-year period on record. We're now looking at one of the wettest years in 150 years. I think rainfall now in Northern California is averaging about 140% of average since the start of the rainy season back in October. And snowfall or snowpack up in the Sierra is about 210% of average. So um, it's been really wet. Are there certain local communities that have benefited the most from this historic amount of rain? Yeah, for sure. Um, You've seen some areas, according to the drought monitor, already begin to come out of drought, including the North Coast, even parts of the San Francisco Bay Area and the Central Coast. But at the same time, a lot of areas have... um, Water shortages built up over time or water deficits built up over time, and they're going to take a lot more time to come out of the drought. And those include far northern inland California, like the Klamath Basin and parts of the Central Valley as well. So it's kind of a different picture no matter where you are in the state. And water managers and experts are still urging residents to be conservative with water use. Tell me why. Well, it's been years of dry years, which have built up sort of a backlog of water shortages. So if you just have one wet year, it's not going to replace all the water that you missed during several several dry years. And the areas that are dependent on the larger reservoirs like Lake Shasta and Lake Orville are going to be in a worse shape now um, or aren't going to recover as quickly as the areas that have local reservoirs that have filled up a lot more quickly. You also have areas that depend on groundwater. And because of the years of drought, a lot of these groundwater reserves have dried up because they were over pumped. And um, it's going to take years, if not decades, to refill some of those aquifers. 
Well, Curtis, let's zero in on one region that was really devastated by the January storms. Of course, the drought has been improved slightly by the rains, but a lot of communities really saw a lot of devastation. And you were reporting from Santa Cruz during the heavy rains and floods. Tell me what you saw. Yeah, Santa Cruz County was hit particularly hard by the storms. Um, There were kind of two things going on there. First, in the mountains, you just saw these incredible amounts of rain. Communities like Boulder Creek and Ben Lomond saw up to 36 inches of rain over a couple of weeks. Basically, the result was trees falling on homes, mudslides, power outages, and for a fairly long period of time. Then down on the coast, you saw these big storm surges, 25, 30-foot waves crashing into the coastline, and that caused flooding in a lot of the low-lying areas. And you spoke to a lot of residents and business owners in Santa Cruz, and some of these neighborhoods were hit with mandatory evacuations. How prepared were they for these storms? Yeah, there are some areas that do get flooding when there are these big storms, and they were somewhat accustomed to it. Uh, Areas like Watsonville along the Pajaro River is one, Rio Del Mar, Capitola, low-lying areas of Mid-County and Santa Cruz. Um, and then Felton in the Santa Cruz Mountains, where the San Lorenzo River flows. But I don't think these communities were expecting the flooding to be as bad as it was. These surges in many of these places were the worst that residents that I spoke to had seen it. So in some cases, they were ready for a few inches of flooding, and they ended up getting several feet in their driveway and in their homes. Also, this region is facing some really big impacts. And your latest story zeroes in on uh, the impact of the storms on the West Cliff Drive. I was there not too long ago before the storms. Tell me about this area. This is really sort of an iconic place, right? Yeah, West Cliff Drive is a, a really great place. I mean, starting on its east end, you've got the Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk where Lots of people have gone to ride on the Big Dipper and enjoy summer days with their family. You've got Cow Beach, which is a place where surfers often learn to surf. It's a long, gentle break that um, is super popular with surf classes and surf schools. And just to the west of there, you've got Steamer Lane, which is uh, some of the biggest waves along the Santa Cruz County coast and where veteran surfers are usually spotted surfing. You often get crowds out there watching the surfers. And then the rest of the drive just kind of rolls through residential neighborhoods with picturesque views of the coastline. And it culminates down at uh, Natural Bridges State Park, where uh, you've got the Natural Bridge rock formation, of course, but also some great viewing sites for whales and otters and and tide pools. So all along that stretch, it's just um, some really great scenery. What does it look like now post-January storms? Well, the several parts of that three-mile drive, a lot of the bluffs have been washed out some areas by a dozen feet or more. There's a pedestrian path that goes the entire length, and that's been lost in, I don't know, a dozen or more areas. And even parts of the road have been washed out in the storm. So right now, you've got part of the road closed, part of the road is open to one-way traffic, and then um, you've just got like orange barricades, which are kind of, you know, steering people and cars away from the edge of the water so they don't put any more pressure on the bluff. So even though the ocean's still there, even though you still have the great views, uh, the actual um, 
road itself, the corridor itself, does not look anything like it did three weeks ago. Now, how many residents or homes, buildings are now vulnerable because of this storm's impact? I don't think there's any immediate threat to homes. However, if there continue to be storms like this, which a lot of folks are expecting, those crumbling cliffs are going to inch closer to people's driveways, um, to their front porches, and even to their homes. So you do have conversations taking place by the city right now about what they're going to be doing when the ground becomes a lot softer and starts to collapse beneath these homes. More with Curtis Alexander after a quick break. What are the arguments for saving Santa Cruz's West Cliff Drive, and why do some think it's better to leave it up to nature? By the way, some fun news. Fifth Emission is celebrating its 1,000th episode, and we want you to come celebrate with us. We're taping an episode live at Manny's in San Francisco's Mission District on Thursday, February 16th at 6.30 p.m. Join us. For tickets, go to welcometomanny's.com. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Now, Curtis, these recent storms have really exposed the vulnerabilities of coastal communities across California. Has Santa Cruz been preparing for this kind of erosion? They're probably a little bit ahead of the curve in preparing for this erosion, which, as you know, it is a result of partially climate change. There's always been erosion on West Cliff Drive and other parts of the California coastline. But with climate change, you're seeing the seas rise, which puts more pressure on the cliffs. And you're also seeing more turbulence at sea with more violent storms. So Santa Cruz, knowing this, has begun to put together a plan. In fact, City Council a couple of years ago approved a plan to kind of lay out what they were going to do to prepare for the increasing impacts of climate change and how that was going to impact the coast. However, that plan hasn't gotten final approval yet from the California Coastal Commission. The first plan was kind of like an overview of what they would do more generally speaking, whereas the follow-up plan was actually going to lay out exact action, specific steps they would take at certain points to address the erosion. The latter plan hasn't been completely finished. And as I said, the former plan wasn't approved. So even though the city is a long way in preparing for this issue, they haven't sort of finalized what steps need to take place. And um, unfortunately, these decisions that they thought they would be making, you know, 10, 20, 30 years out, are now right in front of them. They're going to have to make them sooner rather than later. So what is the position that the city of Santa Cruz is now in when it comes to the vulnerability of Westcliff Drive? They're going to have to decide on what parts of this promenade they're going to want to save. Um, I mean, when it's just bluff and it falls into sea, it's one thing. But when there's stormwater drains or a sidewalk or a road on top of the bluffs and it falls, they got to figure out if they're going to build it back, if they're going to try to buttress areas where it's still hanging on, what they're going to do. And um, as more of the cliff erodes, it just becomes more difficult from an engineering perspective, as well as more expensive to build back these areas. One engineer I spoke with said, sure, you could turn you could turn West Cliff Drive into a causeway on pilings, you know, like a bridge running in the water along the coast. But 
that's not what people think of Westcliff Drive as, and that's not what people are going to want. So what's actually physically possible and what, what people want and what's affordable are all different things. And um, they're going to have to come to terms with you know, how they move forward with the answers to those questions. And there are local efforts by community members to try to save Westcliff, right? I mean, because this is such a nostalgic and treasured space. So what are people proposing exactly? Yeah, as soon as they started closing off the road and putting up the orange barricades, there were people coming up with ideas of, you know, what they wanted to do. And I think this was in the back of people's mind because because this isn't the first time that Santa Cruz has experienced storms. There have been sections of Westcliff Drive to fall into the sea before. So um, now um, I think people were thinking back to what had happened before and seeing this damage, which was arguably the worst it's been. They had ideas in the back of the mind of how they wanted to move forward. And everyone's kind of saying something different. Um, There are groups who actually like the fact that the roads are closed because you can get more bikers and pedestrians and skateboarders and stuff out there. But then there are other people who, you know, live on the road or worry that if one road's closed, they're going to have more traffic on their road. So all sorts of ideas of what people want. Um, You know, one group that has surfaced that has some big names behind it, including big wave surfers and some former mayors is Save West Cliff. And um, in speaking with um, a couple of their members and uh, looking at their website, they haven't really come up with a specific plan for what they want to see. They're more or less a coalition that wants to make sure there's some deliberate discussion about what takes place and the ideas that are tossed around and not just some quick makeshift fix that they want to just have a good solid plan for the long run, but haven't really specified what that is. At the same time, you also spoke to experts and engineers, as you mentioned, and some of them are just suggesting that it may make more sense to just accept the inevitable, which is that these bluffs might go away, right? We kind of have to just sort of accept that climate change is here and this is what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And even before climate change, or even I mean, there's always been changing climate, but even before we saw this acceleration of the impacts, the coast there was eroding at a rate of a couple inches a year and some spots a foot a year, depending on what the cliffs were made of. Um, That's just the natural scouring of the waves. But with the rising seas and the more intense storm surges, uh, you're seeing a lot more of that erosion. So it's only a matter of time before the cliffs retreat to a certain point. So when you're up against that inevitability, does it make sense to just keep throwing time and money and resources into trying to stop what you can't ultimately stop? However, if you're a homeowner out there or someone who loves to take walks on the bluffs of the west side of Santa Cruz every day, you might have a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So how does Santa Cruz grapple with this decision now, especially when there's so many different ideas on what to do? That's why it's going to be so tough. I mean, you've got a lot of people from um, the city council members to the planning staff to the mayor's office. And they're reaching out to the community to see what the community wants. And ultimately, any plan that the city comes up with is going to have to go to the Coastal Commission, which governs all activity along the coast. So um, even what the city wants has to be in line with the Coastal Commission wants. And the Coastal Commission in recent years hasn't been too favorable of just armoring the coast and continuing to do what's been done in the past. They like to see 
you know, communities take proactive steps to address the future of the erosion and climate change. So um, it, it, it's unclear how this story is going to unfold. Now, Curtis, you've been on the show many times before to talk about climate change in the form of, you know, our historic drought in the state, wildfires, and now we're talking about the impact of storms. And I wonder for you, I mean, it seems like your latest story is signaling the way that cities have to catch up to the rate of change that climate change is bringing uh, to California. How have the storms changed the way you think about climate change or maybe your future reporting? Yeah, it's pretty incredible how we're sort of jostling from one extreme to the next. I mean, a couple months ago, we were talking about how dry things were in California and steps we'd have to take to adopt the drought. Now we're talking about flooding and um, damage from storms. So we're just having to you know, respond to one extreme and then the next. Um, and I would imagine going forward, this is just going to be more and more the case as we're seeing more of this weather whiplash. Curtis, always great to talk to you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. Curtis Alexander covers the environment and the climate crisis for The Chronicle. Find his story about Santa Cruz's Westcliff Drive and his other reporting at sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app for more stories about climate change, including the role extreme weather plays. Visit sfchronicle.com slash climate. And don't forget, you can get tickets to our live episode taping on February 16th at welcometomannies.com. Thank you to Francesca Fenzi for editing this episode and to you for listening.